0: You're listening to Season 4, Episode 93. Warning. Warning. Religious people may get offended. Listening discretion is advised. Go to MyGraceNation.com for safe listening instructions. Here we go. Let's do this. It's good to be back. 2019, Grace on Fire. It's hard to believe we're going to be working on this now. And hello, Grace Nation, and welcome to the show. My name is the Reverend Dr. Smitty, a.k.a. the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, and I am your online pastor. And my goal is to raise ambassadors of grace by changing the way evangelicals love LGBTQ people and families. This podcast is dedicated to that work. It's that movement. It flows out of my passion, my grace-centered passion, that is compassion. Basically, because I'm tired of the church losing in a in a conversation that we should be winning. And so, welcome to the show. I know, <laughs> golly, I know it's been a few months since I've been uh, on the show. In fact, uh, I just went ahead and made the call. I said, you know what? It's been it's a new year, 2019. And uh, 2018 is behind us. 2018 was a difficult year for me personally. Just a lot of things just going on. A lot of lot of competing things in my mind. Um, you know, it, it's just, I mean, it's just this life, right? And I'm 42 years old and a lot of things happening. Uh, the world constantly in change and flux and uh, life moves on. I'll tell you what, particularly just being a dad with kids, it's just hard. And so if you don't, you're not a dad and you don't have kids, um, please, please uh, bear with me as I try to continue this vital work on today's show. Uh, there's basically a couple things that I want to do just to kick off the new year. And that's this. Uh, first of all, um, I want to give you a quick update of what's been happening over the last two months in my life. Uh, I have a, a nice uh, new tip that I want to give you a new book that I'm reading through. Haven't read through all of it, uh, but it's actually a devotional book, which I love devotional books. And it's been a while since I've actually read Uh, any devotional material so I have a book that I want to give you and then what I want to do in the, the amount of time that we have today is just break down for you what I'm going to call the three core values of Grace Nation that is these gospel values that they are really becoming the very centerpiece of my ministry and my work. And so I'm super excited uh, to be getting into the show with you. Thank you so much for listening. I know it's been a while, and uh, let's get the word back out there that we are ready to go and ready uh, to move forward with this work. Here we go. And so the question is, is what's been happening in Smitty's world? And then, oh man, I'm just going to tell you, uh, the last two months have really been just rather busy for me. And um, I think that one of the hardest times for being a pastor, and this is just this is just what I think now, um, I think one of the hardest times for any pastor in the holidays uh, is ministering to people that are hurting. I mean, and I think there's a fundamental reason for this, and this is what I believe it is. If you just look at marketing for the holidays, that is Thanksgiving and Christmas, if we just, you know, if we could just bracket the months of November and December around those two major holidays, that um, most of the marketing that is out there features groups of people gathered together, usually around a meal. Um, There's a lot of implied that, you know, it's implied that they're friends and family and um, they're always laughing and smiling. Now, I don't know about you or the family that you come from, but that's not always true for people. And in fact, what I find that that's the exception, not the rule. And uh, there's a reason why some people just try to survive the holidays. I mean, if you just think about the reality of Thanksgiving and Christmas for just a moment, um, when you see feature groups of people gathered together, you know, what if you don't have a place to go? Um, What if? You know, you've been estranged from your family or you just really don't have any family. Uh, There's a a lady in my parish. I absolutely love her. fantastic. I just absolutely love her. But she's lost almost her entire family, almost her entire family. Um, And so, you know, I I asked her, she's single. uh, She's my age. And I asked her, I said, you know, what are you doing for Christmas? You know, where where, where are you going? And um, she's all right. I really don't have a place. christmas day and i said come over and have dinner with us i mean my goodness just you know just come over because i mean honestly i couldn't imagine anybody not having a place to go with uh or for their family and and, and, you know i just said this you know my my pastor's heart just starts starts working and so i just um i said come on over you know and uh, she did and it, it was really cool but you know not everybody has that and so i think that at least in my heart, that one of the hardest things that I see, particularly with people that have been estranged from their family, and let's just face it, uh, the LGBTQ community and uh, people, uh, SSA people, very often, because of the dynamics that happened in their family, they don't always have a place to go. And so, as a pastor, particularly with that knowledge, particularly with um, that uh, just awareness that one of the things that I tried to do over Thanksgiving and Christmas is just create opportunities for community. And, you know, as I really stop and think about this for just a moment, if I could summarize Grace Nation, if people were going to say to me, say, Jonathan, why is it that you care so much about LGBTQ people? And I want to say that it's not because I care you know exclusively for LGBTQ people i just care about people god has put lgbtq people on my heart um i don't know why he did that i don't i i don't need to know that's that's up to god right but this is what's on my heart and so i have a a, a compassion for people and uh, i have a compassion for specifically lgbtq people and i know that because they've been estranged from their family sometimes very estranged from the church They don't have community or they are uh, Christians and they may be forced into the gay community looking for um, that uh, friendship, that fellowship, and they're not experiencing it fundamentally because of their faith. And so what I see happens very often is that you will actually have a group of people alienated from the church, alienated from the culture, and and very often even alienated from themselves Because the community is dysfunctional and broken or broken. And so, you know, that's that's just one of the things that really stirs my heart quite a bit. It stirs my heart in so many ways, because I think that when we fail to understand how important community is, we fail to understand the gospel. I heard it really well um, said last fall, and um, I actually got called on the carpet for it. (laughs) And uh, I'm glad I did, you know, because sometimes what happens is, um, you know, as a pastor, I'm just saying this, that being a pastor is lonely. And and the reason why it's lonely is because there's so much expected of being of the person that fills that role. Now, I want to make a distinguishing thing. There is there's the person and then there's the role and there's just a lot of expectation that is put onto that role that when pastors when men get into that role that very often it can be overwhelming and so you know for me the holiday season is perhaps the most overwhelming season of all because it feels like that's where we are most evaluated like can we create this awesome christmas show you know can we create these wonderful community experiences blah 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 well (laughs) I had something like that happen, and uh, it actually interfered with uh, my abilities to publish um, podcast and materials for Grace Nation. And that is, is that I really just had to scramble last um, December, trying to pull together a lessons and carol service. And then the day of the actual lessons and carol service, some of the technology and the things that I did just completely failed. You know what was happened? What was really happened though? That was so cool. This is what happened. Uh, The the technology that we were using for our music program completely just shut down. But in response, something organic took place, and that is the people that attended started singing a cappella, and it was beautiful. It was actually a really beautiful experience. I was stressed out of my mind, but it was a really beautiful experience. And that's ultimately what I think Grace Nation is about. It's about a community. It's about looking at how we, as Christians, are developing a community that incorporates LGBT people, that is straight people and gay people, straight people and queer people, bringing them together in community under the gospel. And that is my bleeding passion. I mean, it really is my passion because I think that when we understand the power of community, we can understand God's healing purpose in that. And so that's what's been happening for me over the last two months. Just extraordinarily busy. But hang on because we're going to be moving forward into the new year with Grace Nation. And I'm super excited about what we're going to do. And now let's take a break for just a moment and get into a little bit of a tip of the week. Over the week, over the holidays, I should say, I actually picked up a copy of a book that was given to me. And uh, the name of the book is Real Identity. It's by Thaddeus Barnum. Uh, Thaddeus Barnum is a bishop in my Anglican movement uh, that I'm a part of. And um, he he's, he's just, he's really an interesting guy. He happens to be um, my personal uh, spiritual director. And uh, I started reading his book and it really just warmed my heart. He's got a section on here that's called Real Identity. I'm thinking about that. I'll read this to you at some point. Not going to do it today, but you can go to Grace Nation, mygracenation.com, and uh, I'll have the link in the show notes of this. But I just want to encourage you. This is not a book about sexual identity. This is a book about human identity. And I think that sometimes in conversations about identity that we forget that we're talking about human beings. We're talking about what does it mean to be human? And what uh, Thad does, I think really just brilliantly, is that he just lays it out, uh, some great doctrines of what it means to be human, in and, uh, and he does this by looking at the book of Genesis. So that is my tip of the week, and now let's move on to part two of this podcast. And on part two of this podcast, I'm going to break down three core values of Grace Nation. And let me just tell you what those are so that you know exactly what's motivating me. And those three are this, compassion, justice, and love. If you really want to know what's what's really just starting to move me in a very new way, I would say it's those three things. And I'm going to tell you how I came about this, all right? This is... I think that this is actually a God, a God movement in my heart, because five years ago, if you were to ask me what are my three core values, I may have given you something very different. Um, And I may not have been I may I may not even been able to articulate them. But when I began to focus narrowly down on this particular podcast and having to answer the hard question, Jonathan, why are you doing this? my answer started coming down to these three core values. And I really began to read the Bible differently. I began to see God doing something differently in me. And so what I thought I would do is I would just show you out of the Bible um, today why and how, let me, why is the wrong word, where these values are coming from. So uh, over the holidays, one of the big changes that I did at my church, Redeemer Church in Orlando, is um, I... Uh, switched our translations that we use, our preaching translation from the English Standard Version to the um, I think it's called the Christian Standard Bible, and um, it's a, it's a CSB. And you can go to BibleGateway.com. You can find it. it it's a pretty common. It's actually uh, a translation that comes out of Holman Bible Publishers, which is actually a Baptist uh, translator. Um, but anyways, I was really intrigued by the way that they translated John three sixteen. And so listen to how um, you how they uh, write it. They say it this way. For God loved the world in this way, colon, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, I sort of grew up on the John three sixteen 16 KJVs. For God so loveth the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life, right? Or everlasting life. And I like that translation, nothing wrong. But what I loved about this particular translation was how specific it was. God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. How does God love the world? He loves the world through Jesus. And that's a really awesome statement. It's a very specific statement. And now let me see if we can break these statements down through this lens of compassion, justice, and love. So if we start off with this, for God loved the world. I love that phrase. It, 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 you know, and it, it really ties in well with um, 1 John because if you study the epistle of John, you will find that statement crystal clear, right? Um, that God is love. And so it's it's good in the sense that it tells us and it reminds us, and I think it's very important for gay people as well as straight people to remember, hey, God loved the world. He didn't love some. He didn't love a few. He didn't love um, just a few people, the elect or whatever. God loved the world. God loves the world. And I think that sometimes that we forget how adamant the Bible is for God's love in the world. And that includes all the people. And for evangelicals particularly, um, I think that if I could criticize us anyways, sometimes we we will read our systematic theology and that so well, God loves the elect. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that God loves the elect. It says that God loved the world. And that includes everybody in the world. And so I think I want to say that very first and foremost, that when we say the gospel is based in love. All right, we are we are drawing from what the testimony of the Bible is, that God's love is for the world. And so shame on us when we do things that take away from that love. Love is so critical in these conversations because one of the things that I hear very often uh, from gay people is, well, I don't think that God loves me or there's a glass ceiling between me and God's love. And that breaks my heart because the Bible is so adamant about God's love. So, we want to first of all reestablish the very core attribute of God being love. It goes on and it says that he gave his one and only son. Now, I can't help but look at this phrase and marvel. Now, here's why I have two sons, and I wouldn't give them away for anything because I love them so much. I mean, Uh, My wife and I, we panic when our son runs out into the street. Um, We panic when we can't find him for more than three minutes. And and we love our sons. We we can't imagine sharing those sons. We can't imagine our lives without our sons. We love them so much. Sure, they drive me crazy, but I wouldn't share them with anyone. And I think that that's so amazing about what the second phrase of John 3.16 is teaching us. He gave his one and only son. God loved the world. And he was motivated to do something. He was motivated to give his one and only son. Why? I want to suggest that it was compassion. Now, it doesn't directly say that out of God's compassion that he gave his only son. But I think that the conclusion that we can find from the testimony of Scripture is that God is a compassionate God and that it was out of God's compassion for the world that he loved that motivated him to give his one and only son. Now, let's take this a little bit closer and to look at why, all right? Because the second part of that phrase goes like this, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. So God knew that the world that he loved, all the people in it, gay people and straight people alike, that the world was being motivated or was moving towards perishing, that the world was in great peril, that the people that he loved, the object of his affections, that the ones that he was pouring out his love upon were moving towards danger. And so God was motivated that or, and I can, another way that I might even look at it was that he looked at the state of people. He looked at the state of the world and he was motivated to do something. So I see in these two phrases, he gave his one and only son, the generosity of God's heart, motivated by the fate that we were facing, that God was moved by compassion. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. But it goes a little further, right? And this is where I think that sometimes we focus on, right? Oh, but they can have eternal life. Well, that's true. We love eternal life. Um, But I want to suggest that that eternal life is something else of being internally in relationship with God and so the problem was is that people were facing perishing they were facing peril they were facing great danger that if God did not move if God of God's love he did not show compassion that they were facing a fate what was that fate well the answer is just the justice right that I think that, and I'm going to spend the remainder amount of our time today on this. We need to remember that it was the sin of the world. It was the chaos of sin that destroyed the original creation, that uh, that malformed it in so many different ways. And so, therefore, God had to act because of God's justice, right? That the the consequence of sin, the consequences of our evil, the consequences of all of those things Resulted in death. That was God's justice. But God's attribute of love, moved by compassion, did something that we could not do. And that was this pay the ultimate price. God's justice. You know, one of the great arguments against Christian theism regards what is classically um, defined as the injustice of God. And, and it's really simple. How could God be so brutal to send his one and only son to death? It's, you know, uh, people that do not like classic uh, Christianity, that's what they will charge, right? You know, your God is brutal. Well, no, he's not brutal because the response to that is very simple, God the Father knew that God the Son was the only one who could do something that we could not do on our behalf, and that was to defeat death, and that is to be the perfect sacrifice. And so we've very often, and, I, and, I, and I've heard, I have heard critics of this, uh, you know, say, you know, how could God do this? How could God do this? And I like it because they're being motivated by the right thing, right? They're they're being motivated by justice. They're being motivated by compassion. Those are all very important things, right? But they are misunderstanding the justice of God. God sent his son, Jesus, to do the very thing that God the Father knew only God the Son could accomplish, which was to defeat death. None of us, no human being could do that. And so actually god's justice is perfectly maintained and and demonstrated in the bloody death of christ and the amazing resurrection of christ you see when we take away the resurrection of christ we cannot understand the crucifixion it's only through the lens of the resurrection that God makes all things new, that we can understand the incredible resurrection. And now the question is this, how does that apply to the church? And the answer, I think, is this. He sent Jesus to do something we cannot do for ourselves. And what that does is it teaches us that we should also likewise do something for others that they can't do for themselves. In other words, we're not off the hook. It means that we have to stand up for the defeated, marginalized, and powerless. Why? Because the gospel also tells us that we are defeated by sin, marginalized by evil, and powerless to do anything about it except through the saving work of Jesus Christ. And we also need to understand that it was both God's compassion and love, actually the way that I would say it, it was God's love, demonstrated through his compassion, that leads us to the conclusion of justice so that we have all three working together. God's love, God's compassion, and God's justice. I was surprised just recently. I was surprised just recently um, by somebody who said in my church, you know, I never hear any messages about God's justice. Well, you know, we as a church have failed to do that, particularly conservative evangelicals. But let me, just understand, let me just say what's at stake here. And I want to suggest that the reason why God's uh, compassion, justice, and love matters is this. Yes, we can argue that God is love. But how can we do that when we're not compassionate? We argue that God is just, right? But how can we argue that when we do not demonstrate love for the helpless, helping those who cannot help themselves? And yes, we can ar- even argue that God is compassionate. But how can we say that when we are afraid to demonstrate justice because of social stigmas? And I want to suggest that we must see in the gospel all three, compassion, justice, and love, because they all flow out of God's core attribute of his love. You know, that's all the time that we have for today as we uh, begin to come to a, conclose, or a conclusion for this podcast. You know, and, and what I want to say is this. If you're not following me and you're saying, mm, I'm not really certain about that, Hang with me for the next couple of weeks because my plan is I really want to look at scriptures and just sort of lay out for you these three, because I think it's so important that we really begin to wrestle through as conservative evangelicals what it means to demonstrate compassion, to demonstrate justice. And I want to do that by looking just first at our source of authority, which is the word of God. And then to try to explore this on how we can begin to navigate the conversations of sexual identity and human identity. Because I think that what happens is is that we're, we are so, I mean, we are so, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, we are so matter of fact about trying to stick with the Bible that sometimes we fail to read the Bible. We're so, you know, we're so adamant about, Wanting to defend the, the the truth or the veracity of the Bible without actually yielding to its teaching. And I think that if we just take a few moments to look at these things, I think that what we'll discover is that the Bible is leading us to begin to proclaim these truths. And so, beloved, if you're part of Grace Nation and you've been following me for any amount of time, these three values. Compassion, justice, and love. That's the direction we're moving forward. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Grace on Fire, a Verve creative production. For show notes, links, and more, please visit mygracenation.com.